Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge. I don't know about you, but that worship today is just good, right? It's just good to be together. Amen. Yes. Give praise, give praise to God, right? And I don't know if you realize this, but when we clap and we get excited, this is good, not because we're like, oh man, these guys are awesome. They are. That's great. And we added Scott today. He's awesome. Great. Thank you. Like, this is great. But we're not clapping for them, you understand. We're here to clap for God because God is always awesome. We just get to do this together, right? Is We should be praising God all the time. We just get to do it as the body of Christ, like as a group. And that's what Sunday is about. And so uh, I'm just glad that you're here. So um, have you heard this phrase before, let's get real? Have you heard that? Now, let me ask you this. When somebody says, let's get real, or I say, just hold on a second. Let me get real for a second. What do you think they're about to do? Right? There, there, there's, there's a lot of things that could be, maybe they're getting ready to get really honest with you. More honest than they've ever been. Maybe they're getting ready to share something that's been kind of roiling around for a long time, and they're about to share that. Maybe there's been a problem going on in life for quite some time. And they want to finally just get it off their chest and they want to put it on the, maybe it's an elephant in the room that has never been dealt with and they just want to get it out on the table. Whatever it is, it's usually this, this understanding that when somebody says, let's get real, we're going to get really honest. Well, here's the reason I bring that up. Today, we're starting a brand new series and it's called, Let's Get Real. Let's get real. And so what we're going to do is for the next four weeks today and three more weeks, we're going to tackle some topics. We're going to tackle this week and next week these topics that are, these are things that we all know about. These are things that are really good to talk about, but they're really just things that we don't maybe always consider in our life. For example, we're going to talk about stress and conflict in your relationships, how many are you gonna, you're ready for that one? Like, let's gear up. Yes! When is that Sunday? Let me come to that one. But we're going to talk about it because we need to get real because the truth is, my guess is, a lot of us in here, our relationships and the conflict and the stress in our relationships, in our families, are cutting us off from what God wants for us in our life. And so we're going to get real about it. Uh, we're going to talk about risk and faith. We talked about saying yes. Susanna brought it up already. We're going to talk about risk and faith. We're going to get real about what does it really look like to actually go all in for Jesus. And uh, I'll just give you a hint. It's not to come and show up uh, every Sunday at church. It's a lot more than that. So we're going to get real about that. And we're going to talk about some other things. I won't get into all this. I could go through all the different things. Uh, but we're going to get into some things. We're going to get real about some of this stuff. But here's what I want to do first. I want to ask you guys to engage in, in a certain way, really specifically. So whether you're online, some of you are online, that's awesome. Some of you are in the room. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get this out. Almost all of you have one. Go ahead and get it out. I'm giving you permission. I know you're like, I just turned this thing off. I just silenced this thing. Now you're asking me to do this. Okay, now don't check the reminders and the text that your random friend texted you this morning. Like, where are you going for lunch today? Right? And some of you are like, ooh, I, need to, I do need to figure that out. All right? So, okay, I know. This is, this is terrible. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your camera app. Open your camera app and get ready. Okay, those of you online, you're going to do the same thing because it's going to show up on your screen. Okay, and what we're going to do is, Randy, go ahead and do this. Put this, the QR code up there. I want you to scan this. Everybody scan this. 
Okay? Oh, you might have to zoom in. And then look at this. I should take a picture of this. Like, this is hilarious. Welcome to Northridge. Right? We all got our phones out. This is going to take you to a survey. Okay? There's four questions on that survey. One of those questions actually is for today. The other three questions are for each one for a different topic for the next three Sundays that we're going to be in. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Not right now, because I'd like you to actually listen to what I have to say. But sometime today or sometime tomorrow, sometime where you won't forget, you have that survey in there. It's logged in your phone. I want you to consider answering those four questions. This is why, because in this next several weeks, we're going to engage in certain topics, and I would love, and our staff would love, to hear what you guys have to say about these things that we're going to be talking about. We don't always do this, of course, you guys know this, for most series we don't do this, but we want to hear from you. It's completely anonymous, so you can be brutally honest about your answers to these questions. And I can honestly say, I read all of the answers all of them word for word several times in preparation for this sermon. And we'll do the same for the next three weeks. We want to hear your answer. So would you engage in that? We already had 30-some people uh, engage in the survey already. So you got, like, but you can do this. We want to hear from you, all right? So do that, and, uh, and we're going to have a good time. So let me ask you this question. How many of you would say... When you are speeding in your car, I'm sure some of you, you're great Christians, you never do that. That's awesome. Let, let's just say we're asking for a friend or telling for a friend, right? So let's say that you're speeding and you go past, fly past a police officer and the police officer pulls out and pulls you over. How many of you love that moment? Anybody? Nobody. Okay. I seriously, like, I, there's might be a couple of people that are like, yeah, it's a rush. You know, there might be a couple of, nobody in here. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Let me flip it on its head. How many of you, if your, let's say, three-year-old son or daughter are playing in the front yard and somebody flies through your neighborhood going 50 and they're supposed to be going 25 and then a police officer pulls out and pulls them over the next block over, how many of you are willing to be honest and admit that's going to make you happy? <laughs> Most of us in here. Okay, okay, good. My assumptions are correct then. The truth is that when it comes to rules, when it comes to boundaries in our lives, we don't like boundaries when they restrict us, but we love boundaries when they protect us. Isn't that interesting? We don't like boundaries when they cause us to enforce us and, and we have to pay the consequences, the price for the boundary, but when it forces somebody else to make sure that you are safe or keeps your kids safe or, or make sure that we operate in a good way, in a healthy way, then we love boundaries. We have a love-hate relationship with them, don't we? So why I bring that up is because today, guess what we get to talk about? Boundaries. Aren't you glad you came? We're going to talk about boundaries. And, and I don't know about you, but I think we get that boundaries are important, right? Most of us know it's probably wise not to sit down with that gallon of ice cream and eat it in one sitting, right? Most of you know that's probably not a good idea. Most of us know that boundaries are important. In fact, if you look into the Bible, we're not going to spend much time on this. I thought about it, but we're not going to. But in Genesis the first couple of chapters, God creates a perfect world. He puts Adam and Eve into it, right? Perfect. 
There's no sin. There's no pain. You didn't have to work for a living. You didn't have to make a paycheck. Uh, child labor was not painful. Later's like, yeah, that would have been awesome. Sin then enters, right? But before that, it's a perfect world. Now, here's what's interesting. In that perfect world, this is before sin, God put boundaries in place in a perfect world. A lot of people think we have to have rules and government and all kind of stuff because we live in a broken world. That's partly true, but it's also partly not true because in God's perfect world, you can read this in Genesis, he put a boundary in place, didn't he? He told Adam and Eve, there's one thing you can't do. You are not allowed to do. You can't eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was a boundary in a perfect world. God knows that boundaries are absolutely necessary, even in a perfect world. And so today, I don't want to actually make the point that we need boundaries. Because I'm assuming that we're here and we know we need rules, we need boundaries, we need God's laws in our life. Now, if you're not quite there yet, you'll just have to come back for a different message at a different time that I haven't come up with yet. All right? But I'm making an assumption that we understand that boundaries are important. So the question I do want to focus on is, what are the boundaries? What, what does God say about boundaries? What does the Bible say that we should do to learn about the boundaries that we're supposed to live within? <clears throat> and I know this is not one of those messages, honestly, that you're probably going to be like, oh, man, share with my friends. You should hear this. Our pastor talked about boundaries this Sunday. It was awesome. Because we don't like to talk about boundaries. Because we think it's restrictive. Well, I'm here today to prove to you that boundaries are not restrictive. They are the opposite. That they are great and amazing and powerful. And so, the question I want to answer is, what are the boundaries and how do we find out about them? Well, I want to give you four suggestions today. The first one, you're going to get this. This is going to be like, oh yeah, how'd you come up with this one? Read your Bible. <laughs> no, seriously. If you, the, the best place for you to go to discover the boundaries that God wants you to live inside of is in God's Word. They're all in here. Every one of them. Either explicitly or somewhat generally. They're all in here. Every single thing. Read the Bible. Now, the truth is, we know this, right? Ten Commandments. What is the Ten Commandments? Boundaries, all right? Love the Lord your God, but only love God. Don't worship anyone else or anything else. Don't worship that TED Talk that you love, right? Don't worship that podcast that you listen to more faithfully than the Bible. Don't, don't put anything at that Ten Commandments. It's all boundaries. Don't lie. Don't steal. What is that? Boundaries. Uh, Jesus talks about this. Don't take revenge. Turn the other cheek. What is that? That's a boundary. The Bible is full of boundaries. But let me just spend a little, just a few minutes, giving you some specific boundaries that the Bible gives. Some of these you've probably heard of. Some of these maybe you've never have. I want to give you Proverbs 25, 16. I've never quoted this in a service before. This is what it says. It says, do you like honey? <laughs> Don't eat too much or it will make you sick. <laughs> no joke. We could spend a while on that one, right? Because for me, it's not honey. For me, it's cookies. You guys know that, right? But for some of you, maybe it's ice cream. Maybe some of you like gorge on vegetables. 
Right? You're like, man, broccoli, I love broccoli. Right? And you pay the price later. Because <laughs> broccoli and beans, they have a similar effect on things, right? I'm just saying. Do you like honey? Don't eat too much or it's going to make you sick. It's, it's a boundary. God is saying, it's great. Honey is not a bad thing. I created bees. I created honey. I know it's so good. It's like natural sugar. But don't eat too much in moderation. Boundary. Here's another one. This is the very next verse. Proverbs 25, 17. Don't visit your neighbors too often or you will wear out your welcome. You understand, I haven't come up with these. I didn't make these up. This is in your Bible. This is Scripture, right? <laughs> and, and by the way, just, just FYI, some of you, your neighbor's in here, and you're like, ah, yes, they, I'm so glad they're here because I need to hear that. In fact, just had a quick thought. If you don't know any of those neighbors, you might be that neighbor. <laughs> don't wear out your welcome. Stop bothering everybody. But seriously, that's a boundary, right? This is, this is one of those things that's saying it's a boundary. By the way, if you want to know some of the greatest boundaries in life, look into the book of Proverbs. Just read the book of Proverbs. Those are, those are good ones, but they're kind of almost silly. Like for church, it's like, oh, okay, let's get to the real stuff, right? But, but honestly, those are good boundaries. Some, I can tell you, I have people overstep their boundaries and people that are, have worn out their welcome with other people all the time. That's a serious problem. And so Proverbs gives us amazing boundaries. Read it. Get into it. It's, it's phenomenal wisdom. All right. Uh, let me give you another example. Titus 3, 10 through 11. It says, if people are causing divisions among you, conflict in other words, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. Whoa. Some of us are like, whoa, I thought God was loving God. Oh, he loves you. He just also knows one of the most loving things you can do is get people who distract you and destroy you and are killing your family out of your life. That's what God says. Don't hate me. I'm reading Scripture. Right? Some, one of the most important things that you could do. And now, it's not that you put them at our links and say, we're going to hate you now. It doesn't say anything about hating them. You still love them. You still treat them with kindness and respect. It's just saying that you have to distance yourself from them. Especially when it's somebody in your family. And some of you are thinking, yeah, I'm thinking about somebody in my family, that this is causing stress and conflict. I said we're going to get real. Let's get real. Some of you, you've allowed a family member to destroy the rest of your family for decades. What God says is, have nothing more to do with them. Now, that doesn't mean just cut them off. You never talk to them ever again. But you do have to minimize it. One of the hardest things that I have to confront sometimes with people is they say, well, this has been going on in our family. And I say, well, what have you been doing for them? And what have you been doing with them? And, all that. and a lot of times they've been pouring their life out for this person and this person never changes. And they've sucked themselves dry and they're sucking their family dry and they're not investing in their kids because they have no energy to do it because they're trying to take care of this relative that's causing division 
and conflict. We have to get real. Maybe you have to put up a boundary. Am I saying you don't love them? No, you need to love them. Still, in fact, you need to love them more. And one of the best ways you're going to love them is say, this is just not appropriate anymore and we're not going to allow it. It's one of the most loving things you can do. I know, that's uncomfortable, that's hard. It's easy to talk about here, but then when you're in front of them, that's what's hard, isn't it? But we got to get real. In fact, uh, I want to go to the, the question, as some of you saw this on the survey when you pulled up the QR code. You know what the first question is for this week that a lot of you answered? Here's the question. What boundaries are hard for you to set for yourself, for your family, your work, etc.? That was the question that we asked. And again, over 30 of you answered. I think it was 31 people answered this question. Do you know what the number one answer by far was? Wasn't even close. By far, way at the top. Boundaries with people and saying no to people when you know you should. Number one answer. Number one. Now, there was, there was some of you said you, have, you struggle with like money and spending. Uh, some of you said struggle with eating healthy and food and all kind of stuff. Uh, some of you mentioned uh, alcohol. Uh, some of you mentioned screen time, right? And you, my phone just consumes me. Social media consumes me, all that kind of stuff. Th- those, those answers were definitely in there. But out of the 31 people that answered this question, by far over half mentioned some form of not being able to say no to somebody or putting a boundary up with somebody that they knew they should. This is something that's hard for us to deal with, to do. Putting boundaries with people. In fact, in two weeks, I already mentioned this, we're going to talk about conflict and stress in relationships. We're going to deal with this. We're going to talk about this on a much deeper level. So, because of that, let me keep going. All right, let me give you one more example. This is actually a point that Jesus makes while he was preaching a sermon. This is one of his main points. Listen to what he says, Matthew 5, 27 and 28. Jesus says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, have an affair with somebody. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, what is Jesus saying there? He's saying there's a boundary. You've heard the boundary is don't have an affair. Okay, that's, that's good. Jesus is not saying, no, that's not. He's saying that's good. But he's saying, I, I want to take it one step further. The real boundary is don't even lust after that person in the first place. I've heard a lot of people say, well, as long as I don't act on it. Nope, not biblical. If it's here and you're dwelling on it, it's still, still a problem. And so what is Jesus really talking about? He's talking about not just the boundary. He's talking about a buffer zone to the boundary, isn't he? He's talking what leads you to cross a boundary. I don't know about you, but if you flirt with the boundary, at some point you're going to either fall over, you're going to step over, or you're going to get shoved over the boundary line. Uh, Let me give an example of this. So uh, you guys know North and South Korea have been separate countries for quite some time, right? So they have this boundary line, but in between, on either side of that boundary line, they have this two and a half mile wide swath of land called the DMZ, the demilitarized zone. This is where no military operations can happen. Why is that? There's a very clear reason for that. Because if you get a couple of militaries, like standing, right? If, if I don't like somebody and you put me at the edge of the front of the stage right here with that person and we just start talking to each other, oh, I don't like you. I don't like you either. And then you give us weapons 
eventually what's going to happen? We're going to use those weapons, right? North and South Korea, they don't get along well. And so they have to have a buffer zone, a two and a half mile wide kind of a deal to protect them from the boundary. The boundary is important. The buffer zone to the boundary is also important. Don't flirt with sin. Don't flirt with lust. Don't flirt with these things. Eventually, you're going to get burned and you're going to cross that line. You're going to cross that boundary. And you're going to look back and feel ashamed for what you know you shouldn't have done. So read your Bible. How do you learn all this stuff? I've given you all kinds of things that, that I, uh, sometimes I haven't even read, right, very often. And so get into God's Word. And some of you are like, well, I would, but you like randomly pulled something from Proverbs, right? How am I supposed to know how to find these things? If you struggle with getting into God's Word and you're not sure where to start, let us know. I say this all the time. A lot of people are scared as if we're like going to be like, you don't read your Bible? Oh, let's, we're bringing you up on stage and we're going to tell everybody about this next Sunday. I mean, that's what people feel like. That's how they, I'm like, no. You know what we're going to do instead of judging you? You know what we're going to do? You know how excited I get when somebody asks me that? I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. Let's talk about it. Why don't you read the Bible? Like, what's, what, what scares you about it? Well, this. Yeah, totally. That scares me too, usually is my response. Because we all struggle with that. It's okay. It's not an excuse to not get into it. This is how you're going to learn about the boundaries that God wants you to have in your life. All right. You got to keep going. Love to spend time more on that, but let's, let's keep going. The second thing is, if you want to learn the boundaries, we need to listen prayerfully. Listen prayerfully. Now, this point easily could have been the word pray, but as soon as I say the word pray or prayer, what do we automatically think of? We think about talking to God, right? If somebody says, let's pray, what do we do? We start talking after that, right? You, we even model this on a Sunday morning. We say, let's pray, and then somebody starts talking. Prayer is far more than just talking to God. If you've been to Northridge for any length of time, you know this. And so this point is important that it's not just pray, it's listen prayerfully. Don't just listen to TED Talks. Don't listen to your podcast. Don't even listen to your favorite worship music all the time. Sometimes get by yourself and listen for God's voice. And let me just say this. Most of the time, at least I'm basing this on my own experience, a little bit on the Bible as well, but on my own experience, the vast majority of the time, you're probably not going to hear God's voice audibly, like with your physical ears. It's probably not going to happen. Here's how you're going to hear God. You're going to hear God with a thought. You're going to hear God with some kind of palpitation or some interesting feeling in your heart. I've felt God that way. Sometimes God is going to speak directly to your soul. Somehow you're going to know that this thought, this idea, this prompting is from God. It didn't come from you because it's so holy, it's so wholesome. You're like, and I would never do that. <laughs> and you're like, that's God. That's how you're going to hear God. But in order to hear God, you have to be quiet. You have to listen. Listen prayerfully. Jesus knew the importance of this. I want to share an example of this. So in the New Testament, the book of Luke, Luke is a physician. He's a doctor. 
and he wrote about the life of Jesus. That's what the book of Luke is, the gospel book of Luke. He was a doctor, he was a physician, and he wrote about the life of Jesus. Really cool. So he was really detailed. He was very detailed in how he writes about Jesus. That's one of the reasons that Luke is, may not be my favorite gospel, but I love the book of Luke because he's just so detailed that I'm like, I get that guy. I'm a detailed guy, and so that makes sense to me. But he was telling about Jesus and a miracle he did over here. He healed this guy. And then he's telling about this other guy that he healed. And in between these two miracles, Luke writes two verses. And it's something, it's just almost like this little side comment that he mentions in between these two massive miracles. So everybody pays attention to the miracles, but there's these two verses squeezed in between them. He just kind of makes this statement about Jesus. It's really, really important. I want to read what it says. Luke 5, 15 and 16. Luke writes, But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power, his miracles, spread even faster. And vast crowds, a lot of people, came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But then catch what he says. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. In other words, what what Luke was saying is Jesus' time got sucked away. People were constantly coming at him to hear him preach and to have him heal them and to do all these things. And and Jesus' schedule was crazy. His calendar was packed, so to speak. If Jesus had Google Calendar, he didn't need that to keep straight, right? But if he did, it would be from morning to night, like just boom, 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 boom. People, 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 people. Just read God's word. Jesus did ministry a lot. He had an intense schedule. We say we're busy. We have nothing compared to Jesus. He was busy. But it says that in the midst of that, Jesus made sure to carve out time where he often, not a few times, not every now and then, often would withdraw to the wilderness to pray. God by himself to hear from God. Let me just say this. If you're feeling bombarded today, I don't know about you, but we just started school. I don't know if you noticed. We're hitting fall. Tanya brought up blankets. I love fall for that reason, though. Cuddle, cuddle warning. That's good. But also what comes with fall is what? All the stuff. I don't know about you, but man, my family's like, until like nine o'clock at night and then we're like how's your day good how's your day i'm good i'm tired good night i'm going to bed right that's usually my wife not me (laughs) i stay up a little bit longer and it's just like crazy are you feeling burdened are you feeling overwhelmed are you feeling like you're stretched between a hundred different people and you need to keep all of them happy and there's a hundred things to do all the time anybody else feeling that way if you are, can I say that the, maybe the best, most healthy, holy thing you can do is to stop doing some or a little bit of that and get by yourself. And don't turn on a podcast. Don't turn on a TED Talk. Don't listen to even some of your favorite worship music. I mean, don't do any of that. Stop and be quiet and listen for God's voice. Listen prayerfully. Don't just sit there in silence. Just because, listen prayerfully. Your intention is to hear God. That's your purpose in that time. Not to get anything done. And by the way, 
don't bring this into your room. I'm getting better at that. I'm serious. I'm preaching myself on this one. Sometimes I'll take this into my prayer time or my, my sermon prep time. I'm getting better at getting, setting this aside, but I don't always do that. I need to do it more. I need to do it every time because this will distract us. I get distracted easily. Squirrel. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Text. Hey, Brent, I had this question. Oh, cool. A person. I'm so excited. And like, God's forgotten, right? It's like, hey, God, I'm sure you had something great, but they have a question for me. This is great. Seriously, like, that's how my brain goes. My wife knows this. She's like, because I'll come out usually and ask her, hey, hey, did you know they, they wanted to do this? And what do you think about that? She's like, oh, I was working on something. If you're feeling bombarded by life and the burdens of life, maybe you need to set a boundary. Again, I'm serious that when I say I'm preaching to myself on this. If I was going to be just really, really honest here, let's get real. The last two years have been the hardest for me to set boundaries and to get alone and to really just hear God's voice. I'm just being honest with you. As your pastor, like, the last two years have been the hardest two years for me to do that. Partly it was COVID, and then after COVID, I was starting to get better. I was, my rhythms were getting better. I was getting healthier on that, and, and then last year happened. <laughs> and the burdens and all that stuff, it's just kind of stayed. I don't know how many of you have carryover from COVID, and the political spectrum, man, I have, I have a fair amount of baggage, I've realized. I'm guessing some of us in here do too. The best thing you can do is to release that baggage, and the only way to do that is to hear God. Hear what he has to say. Allow him to take that. He wants to, but if you're holding on to it, he's, sometimes he'll rip it out of your hands, but it's going to hurt. What's better is for you to release it to him. All right, we've got to keep going. Three. Get another person. If you want to know what your boundaries should be, if you want to know how to put them in place, get somebody else involved. Right? This is going to do two things. It's going to bring more honesty into your life. If you get the right person, by the way. If you get the yes person in your life, don't even do that. Like, have coffee with them. Enjoy their time. They're not going to tell you the truth anyway. They're going to whisper sweet nothings in your ear. Don't choose that person, right? If you choose the right person, you're going to get honesty. And then the second thing is you're going to get accountability, right? You're going to get accountability. They're going to be able to hold you accountable for whatever the boundaries are. And so, uh, and some of you are like, well, who is that person? Let me help with that, okay? Just for a moment. Some of you already know where I'm going to go with this, right? But let me just help with that. This is not necessarily going to answer the question for all of you, but for a lot of you in here, this is going to give you the answer like that. I want you to just pause, and I want you to think about the person in your life who speaks brutal truth to you no matter what, and when they speak brutal truth to you, you know that they're speaking truth, and they nail the bullseye. Like, they hit it right on. You, they know, oh, you're nailing this, and you hate hearing it, but you know it's truth and you know it's healthy and you know it's good and you know it's godly. You know it's good for you. Think about that person. You're like, oh, and your heart's going to cringe because you're like, oh, I don't want to hear that. That kind of honesty. That's your person. 
No, seriously, one of the best things you maybe could do is today, you go call that person. And you set up a time and you say, I need to meet with you. And I have a couple of questions. And you're going to ask that person, what boundaries do I need to set in my life? <laughs> oh, man, hold on. How much time do you have? Let's make a list. If you pick the right person, they're going to know. They're going to know without even thinking they're going to know, and they're going to be able to throw it at you. And you're going to have a tendency, your tendency is going to be to get offended. I know this because I have people in my life that call out my boundaries, and sometimes I don't react well. I know what my tendency is. It's sinful, defensive. Don't react defensive. Listen. And then ask that person at the end of the conversation to hold you accountable to it. Call me. Text me. Call me out for this. If I'm not doing this, if I didn't put this in place, tell me. I had a staff person just uh, the last few weeks ago ask me to hold them accountable for something because they, they wanted to get something going, but they hadn't been able to get it going and they just hadn't taken the step to do that. And this person asked me to, to keep them accountable. And so I texted this person um, just this last week and said, hey, my reminder went off. Remember we talked about this and you wanted me to, to text you. And so I'm just letting you know. I'm keeping you accountable. Have you done anything about that? Have you made any plans for that? Now, can I just say, it did not feel good to send that text. Like, I, I'm not one that like, likes to cause, rock the boat and cause conflict if I can help it. I do sometimes because I know it's necessary, but I don't like to. I don't enjoy it. And so I wasn't like, yay, this is awesome. I get to, you know. And I'm sure that when this person got the text, it wasn't like, yay, Pastor Ben's holding me accountable. I'm so thankful for that. But it's important. Because one of the best ways to make sure we do stuff is to hold ourselves accountable and have somebody else do that too. So get another person involved. And then the last one is, this is going to be obvious, act. You need to do something. It's great that you want to mull it over. I, I don't know about you, but I'm not a microwave. I'm a crock pot, right? And so I've got at least 10,732 ideas in my head that I think are great. And I've been crock potting them since I was like three years old. I'm, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I, I'm not much. Seriously, I, I, I mean, I have so many thoughts and ideas and sometimes even promptings from God that I've just held on to because I'm not sure how to get them going. I'm not sure if I want to do it. I'm, I, it sounds kind of dumb in my head, and so I think it's going to sound really dumb if I say it out loud. And so I just hold on to them. Sometimes the biggest thing that we need to do when it comes to boundaries is actually set a boundary and get serious and get real about it. And I want to just make a statement. I told you that I was going to get to this point, that boundaries are absolutely necessary and important. And I'm going to give you a phrase that, that doesn't, it's not going to sound like it's true, but it is. Boundaries give freedom. just want you to think about that. Some of you in here, you're skeptical yet. You're like, mm, I disagree. I don't think so. They restrict freedom. No, they don't. They give freedom. Boundaries give freedom. Let me try to illustrate this. Uh, how many of you ever had this experience when you were like in elementary school or whatever? You had a kid that created a game. They, they made up a game. I was one of those kids that made up games all the time. 
by the way. I, seriously, I did. You can talk to my mom. She can tell you. I made up games all the time. Just created games all the time. If, if, but if you had this kid that made up this game on the playground and then everybody came in, you know, he or she invited everybody in, let's play this game. Here's how we do it. And here's a couple of the boundaries, the couple of the rules. And then you start playing it and then that person is clearly good at the game because they've been practicing this game that they made up in their head. Right? And so they're really good. So they're winning. And then eventually then everybody else gets good and they start winning the game. Right? And, and what happens? Eventually that person says, uh, okay, so I forgot to tell you about this rule. <laughs> yeah? Oh, well, actually what I meant when I meant that rule, it it's also means this too. Which means, what does that mean? That means there's no boundaries, actually. The boundaries are false. There's no boundaries there at all. And what's going to happen to that kid? He's going to be lonely or she's going to be lonely because why? Everybody's going to quit the game. Nobody wants to play that. If you're changing the boundaries, there are no boundaries. It doesn't give freedom to anybody. It takes away freedom. They're leaving. And then the kid who made up the game lacks freedom. Now he or she, all he gets to experience is loneliness. There's no freedom in that. Lack of boundaries is not freedom. Boundaries give freedom. Let me give you two more examples real quick. So Montana used to have no speed limit on some of its highways. Remember, guys, remember that? Made news. This was, I don't know, a long time ago. And they tried this out on some of their two-lane highways that were in desolate places. I've driven on a lot of Montana highways. And seriously, it's like, wow, there is nothing out here. And so they made the no speed limit on some of those places. They only, it only lasted like a year or two. I don't know how long it lasted, but it lasted a little stretch of time. And then they put the speed limits back in place. You know why? Two reasons. One, the people that really wanted to drive as fast as they possibly could, a lot of them died. Seriously, not to get macabre or anything, like they, died, they just died because they needed the boundary to say, no, that's dumb. <laughs> it's a two-lane highway. I know there's nobody out here, but you shouldn't go that fast, right? Because you can't handle it. A lot of people died. And then the second thing was that all the other drivers on those highways were driving in fear because they weren't sure what everybody else was doing. That's what happened. And so Montana realized, uh, we need to backtrack. We need to put the boundary back in place. And you know what happened? They have great freedom. They increased the speed limit. And let me just say, I love that boundary and that freedom of that boundary. Especially when you go west. When you head back east, it's terrible. Because, you know, you go from 85 to 80 to 75 to 70. Like, you get to Wisconsin, I'm like, are we in a parking lot? Oh, I'm still going like 70. Well, let's be honest. I'm going over 70. But I, I'm, it feels like we're just crawling. Oh. But when we're going out and I can bump it up another five, I'm like, yeah, we're getting there so much faster. In reality, it's like seven minutes or something. But <laughs> The truth is, boundaries give freedom. What if the NFL went away with all boundary lines and they, they got rid of refs and they said, we're, never gonna, we're, we're not going we're not gonna to institute any rules or laws for the game anymore. What happens? I can tell you exactly what happens. Football ceases to exist. You know why? Because nobody knows what to do and everybody's just going to grab the football and try to run and there's no end zone. Nobody even knows what to do. That's not freedom. That's chaos. It's stupid is what it is. None of us would watch that. Let's just throw like a hundred people onto a thing and just let them go to it. And here's a ball. Win. 
what would I do? Don't worry about it. You have the freedom to do whatever you want. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Nobody's going to watch that. Maybe the first time just to see what happens. And then afterwards you're like, this is stupid. (laughs) Yep. Boundaries give freedom. Let me give you one last scripture passage. Romans 6, 20 through 23. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. In other words, it says you had this facade that you were free, but you weren't. And what was the result of that supposed freedom? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. It's quite a word. Eternal separation from God. But now, if you accepted Christ, but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now, again, we, we kind of, that, that, that connotation of that word slave has a negative connotation. This is not slave in the negative sense of what we think of slavery. This is a Greek word, literally, that is used to say you bind yourself it's a chosen thing. It's a willing thing. You have chosen yourself to give yourself, to bind yourself, to tie yourself to Jesus, to God. You have become bound because you've chosen to accept the boundaries that Jesus has put in place for your life. You weren't forced into it. You chose it. When you choose Jesus, you choose to be bound to be restricted inside those boundaries according to God's word. And what is the result? The result is ultimate freedom within those boundaries. Because God knows boundaries give freedom. I think if one thing that our culture today, and I mean like right now, should learn, is that boundaries give freedom. We're trying to throw every boundary away in our culture at this point. Seriously, we've destroyed them. This is not giving us more freedom. Let me just ask you, do you think the world's getting better? If you think the world's getting better, I I, I would love to have a conversation with you and see where you're getting that. People I'm talking to don't seem to be getting better. We need boundaries. God's word is very clear. We need boundaries. And so do you believe it? And will you accept the boundaries that God has for you? And you, I promise, because God's word promises this, will experience true and amazing freedom. Will you accept Jesus? Will you accept his boundaries for your life and experience true joy and true freedom within that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for boundaries. We don't usually thank you for rules we don't usually thank you for the things that restrict us but today we need to acknowledge that boundaries are important and so God maybe there's maybe there's somebody here and they were 
here's maybe what's true. God, maybe there are several people, a lot of people in here who you've been prompting them with a boundary that they need to set in their life. They already know what the boundary is. They know if they talk to that honest person, that person that's going to call them out, they already know what they are going to say. They already know what the boundary is that they need to put in place. I pray that you would give them the courage and the strength to do it, to take action on it today and actually make those boundaries. Because it's possible that there's a lot of people in here that the one barrier to freedom, ironically, is them putting boundaries in their life. Alcohol or, or drugs or food or another person in their family has been chaining them. They've been bonding them down. They've been, they've been locking them in chains. And maybe today they realize it for the first time and they simply need to set a boundary so that they can be released from that problem. God, help us to set boundaries that are holy, that are true, ones that you've set before us. Help us to say yes, I will to these boundaries because we need to say yes to you. God, we pray this, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.